Hi, everybody. My name is Scott. I am a believer and follower of Jesus Christ in recovery from alcohol and drugs. Hi, guys. I, I was up here last week, and it's like we're back. I love it. Welcome back. Uh, life is opening up again. We're so thrilled you're here with us. So um, let me begin in prayer. Lord, um, every lesson from you is important, but this is a life-defining lesson for any one of us, for every one of us. And uh, I just pray that I would surrender my will to yours in this moment and let you speak through me, uh, take that burden off my back and, and give it to you that you would uh, say what you want to say to every person about this third step, surrender. So thank you, Lord. I trust you and I'm going to thank you for what you're going to do in every life here. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So tonight we begin our journey into the third step and it's a lesson titled Turn. And the, thir the, the third step reads, we made a decision to turn our wills and our lives over to the care of God. So let me start with a weird statement. This lesson is all about trains, okay? And, and uh, I grew up in a family that loves trains. My grandfather was a railroad man, and he instilled it in me as a little boy, uh, a love for trains. Uh, but tonight is not about the kind of train I'm speaking of or you're thinking of. It's about trains that are much more powerful and even more dangerous. What, what are these trains? There are trains of thought. It's these trains that have the power to give life or take it, to bless a life or destroy it. And uh, in the first few months of my recovery, while I did not understand it at the time, uh, I now know I was so blessed to actually listen to my sponsor uh, and hear what he said in one of the first things he said. He says, Scott, you don't have a drinking problem, you've got a thinking problem. And at that time, I didn't understand it and I didn't know what he meant, but he says, I want you to get a journal and I want you to start writing down what you think because you're a very sick thinker, just like all of us who are alcoholics. I did, and that was 30 years ago. Now, why is that so important tonight? Because... Me, just like you, I'm a very sick thinker left to myself. And my sick thinking was a runaway train that had kept me sick for decades. The sickest organ in the human body, if you wonder, is the human brain. It is beset with sin. Groaning is in the pain of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only our sin, but our family's sins dating back generations. Those patterns of thinking born out of our personalities, our childhood, our selfish responses to life have created ruts in our brain that control us, our emotions, and our choices. Add to this reality the truth that in our thoughts, the demons attack us with their fiery darts through their temptations with their singular goal to keep us ruined if they can do it. Kill, steal, and destroy. This describes any addictive behavior. It's all true apart from God for every person ever born. Yet this program guides us to the truth that with him and through him, there's hope. And tonight, it's my prayer that you will make a few decisions tonight that just might set your life on a new course and a new set of tracks, if you will. And it begins by tracking our beliefs because we're all being controlled by the truth of God or a lie in any moment of our lives. 
So here's my hope and your takeaway for tonight. Take it to your groups, take it into your relationships, your life circumstances, everywhere you go and consider and count the cost that this step is the step that will define your life more than any other. Here are two scriptures that speak directly to our trains of thought uh, and the truth that only God can change them. In this first verse, we're given the motive of our heart to change, then the instruction and truth about our ability to change, and then how it's going to happen. Let's read. This is uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2. I rarely don't quote it up here. I hope you guys almost know it as I know it. It reads, therefore, I urge you in view of God's mercy. There, it speaks to knowing and keeping God's mercy at the forefront of our lives as a spiritual motive that drives us in our hearts. We then offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, because this is our spiritual act of worship. Here's the the instructions to practice this step. Surrender. Give it all to him. It's a power step. And through this, we're then offered the hope and truth of how the change happens. Don't be conformed any longer to those patterns that bring you into these rooms that have messed up your life and made you miserable your whole life. But be transformed, the Greek word metamorpho, literally changed from ugly to pretty, from caterpillar to butterfly, by the renewing of your mind. It all starts in the trains of our thinking and how we surrender it to be transformed. So we're all in recovery with some hope for change. Nobody comes to recovery on a winning streak. We say it around here all the time. That's my wife's initial saying, by the way, giving her credit. But for addicts, we come in with a desire to change and kick a habit, a a lie in our head that we need a substance or an activity to survive. Codependents, they come in with a very different addiction. They come in with the addiction that somehow they believe they can change other people or the circumstances so that they can take control of their lives through those impossible hopes and dreams. But here we're given the truth that we can transform our trains of thought and that we can really change what we can change. That's allowing God to change ourselves. And it means a complete transformation. And I hope you're at least on the journey to know that you think differently than you used to. And it's beginning to change your emotions and change your behaviors because you don't think those sick, stinking thinking that we talk about all the time, thoughts that bring us in here. The second verse expands on the first one. It's 2 Corinthians. And here we're told how to stop those old freight trains that that destroy us. Listen closely. It says, for though we now live in the world, we still do. We do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, throw that out. We're not fighting like the world does. Our weapons have divine power, spiritual power to demolish the strongholds. Yet now we demolish the arguments, the arguments that say, I gotta think like I used to. And every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we, how do we do it? We take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. It's a powerful thought. Do you ever even try it? Because it'll change the way you think. This is all about the battle that goes on in our minds versus the old trains of thought and the new trains of the thought, the flesh versus the spirit. And we're in a war, it says it clearly. This war is fought over our our trains of thought. In this war, the world's weapons will never change our thinking pattern. They're way too ingrained. And we 
demons are not going to let go of them easily, even if they weren't. One of my great memories as a child, this is a good metaphor, was putting pennies on the railroad track with my grandfather and then finding them after the train run over them. Trying to change my way of thinking is like putting a penny on the railroad track, hoping it's going to stop that ongoing freight train. It's not going to do it. So, Tonight, each of us is offered the possibility of freedom and the abundant life if we accept and apply some simple faith principles. This lesson will define your existence. Now, that's a statement. So, let's get into it. I already said this step is the power step, the power principle of our lives, because without Jesus, we're only going to get human results, which isn't too pretty. And apart from him, he said it himself, we can do nothing. In recovery, more than any other place, that might be clear to us as we come into these rooms struggling like we do. This step said we made a decision to turn. A decision isn't a mental process, it takes action. Because I can tell you I've decided to walk across this stage, but I haven't done it if I still stand here. A decision requires an action. So we're going to look at these decisions today and try to figure out whether we've all willing and ready to take these steps. So what is the first decision? The first decision you've got to ask yourself is, where is your trust? In whom do you trust? Tonight, each and every one of us are in a spiritual battle for our minds being fought over where we put our trusts every day. It's in one of two places, God with all his power or ourselves with such limited, finite, sinful power. And the question tonight is, in whom do you trust? The single, this single decision, this single choice will determine your destiny. Let's be honest, we all trust in ourselves at our core. That's a starting place. As the first step teaches us, we all wanna be God. We trust in ourselves. And that gets us where we, where we go. Freud, Freud calls this your ego. The Bible calls it our flesh or our pride. And these trains of thought are driven by one thing, me, 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 self, self, self. I want life the way I want it. Thank you very much. Um, as you hear in the rooms, my friend Mitch often says, our egos are not our amigos. <laughs> Whatever you call this sense of self, until Christ, it's all we've got. Yet, as we're told and we've already seen, even after Christ, we're still in a war. It doesn't change the war and the battle for the way we think. And so, all of our decisions, all of our trust has to be placed in him if we're ever gonna find true freedom. Now that's a daily struggle for any of us. But yet, the truth will demolish the strongholds and the arguments if we let it, just as it promises. We gotta capture our thoughts. So, as it so often does, the Bible speaks very clearly about this battle on whom you will trust, real clearly, real quick. Proverbs 28, 26 reminds me daily that he who trusts in himself is a fool. The ESV puts it even more beautifully in regards to this lesson tonight. It says, he who trusts in his own mind is a fool. Same verse, but it tells you where the battle is, just like we're talking about tonight. Jesus takes this foolishness to the end game, I believe, in John 15, when he states the absolute radical truth that he says, apart from me, Jesus Christ, in your own thinking, you can do nothing. Now, the world would say, what are you talking about? I got up, I breathed, I put on my clothes. 
Jesus is talking about anything of spiritual, eternal value. That's what he's talking about. Apart from him, you are operating on worthlessness, your own power, your own motives, your own self, your own desires, and your own destiny. So Jesus asked the question each of his face. He said, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? Our souls is our eternal part of us. So we're either chasing our destiny, thinking like ourselves and we're the kings and we're gonna, get, we're gonna be happy with that boat or that drug or that whatever, or we're trusting in God. The Bible, as it does, gives clarity on the other choice as well. And tonight, many of you are trusting not in yourselves, but in God. And you can say, yeah, I get this, amen. Uh, you can't work the 12th step and the third step without getting this, by the way. Your sponsor should be working with you on that. There are only two places you put your trust, yourself and you're a fool, or what does the Bible say if you're putting your trust in God? Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Oh Lord Almighty, Blessed is the man who trusts in you. Foolishness or blessedness? What are you experiencing? So much depends on where you're putting your trust. So, it's a choice of who to trust, not chance, that's gonna determine your destiny. It's this choice, not chance, that will determine your destiny. And obviously, the right choice, being blessed, is to choose God. This is the first step in the third step process. What word do we use to describe this trust? Let's just clarify it, the scriptures and what we talk, we're at church. It's faith. God says, what is faith? Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Hebrews 11. All it takes is faith. That's the good news, folks. We're gonna get to that. Yeah. You may think it takes a lot more than faith, but it, it really just takes faith for these, for these miracles. But Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live now in the body is by faith. Romans 1.17 says, the righteous will live by faith. It's not of this world or, or its weapons that we overcome our stick, stinking thinking and find the transformation with its resulting freedom. So tonight, let me just throw out three quick faith decisions uh, that will make this third step possible on this faith journey. These hold the keys to the possible, the purposeful, and the powerful in your life. What is the first and most important decision you must trust by faith? This is the starting line that makes all things possible. Without it, you're living the world's ways and you're powerless. It begins as we trust in our salvation through faith in Jesus Christ alone, just like Anna said tonight. This is the gospel. John 3, 16, remember that chapter and verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him, has faith in him, will not perish but have everlasting life. The other places says the gospel is the power unto salvation, eternity for all who believe. John 6, 47, Jesus makes it the simplest way he makes it in all of scripture when he says, whoever believes, I tell you the truth, whoever believes has everlasting life. Can't be put more simply that it's all by faith in Christ alone that you'll receive. There's no asterisks or additions or subtractions to be found. It's just by faith you're saved. And tonight, there are certainly some here who are still wrestling with this step. So I ask each of you to believe, do you believe tonight that you have everlasting life through the forgiveness of your sins, through Christ alone, through faith alone? 
And tonight, if you're still wrestling with that thought, are you ready to admit this truth that every one of us must face that we need God's free gift of salvation? Hold it, what did I just say? His free gift of salvation? His free gift of salvation. That's an amazing truth. Listen to that because it's true. That's the argument that can break down every pretension against the knowledge of God. It's a free gift. It's a free gift. Who would receive a free gift from the God of the universe? So did you hear that? And certainly there are some of you here in a crowd this size who are still wrestling, living like there's some set of eternal scales that God has up there. These justice scales that he's watching your action and reading your thoughts and every thought and action you have goes on one of those scales and, and your, your whole hope of your salvation rests on the fact that maybe I'm good enough that that scale is gonna tip in my favor and God will let me in when I breathe my last breath. What a horrible, horrible lie and train of thought to believe and to try to secure your eternal destiny on. Your trust there is leaning on human thought, not the truth of God. In fact, that's religion. It's what every religion teaches except Christianity. Everyone on planet Earth that there's these set of eternal scales and God's watching you, so be careful. So, it's a lie that says salvation isn't free. It's not a free gift. You've got to earn it and deserve it to receive it. But the truth is it's simply by faith. God's free gift of salvation is offered to you freely tonight. Listen to this verse. Listen closely. It's by grace. That means unmerited favor that you are saved, that you receive salvation. How? Through faith. It's not of yourselves. You can't make it up. It's the gift of God. Now that's either true or God is lying to us. Yet the world screams that's not true. The world screams and every other religion screams there's a set of scales that you gotta live up to something and you gotta be better and you gotta earn God's favor so that you deserve God's favor. So tonight, will you place your trust on him for eternal life and through faith alone, just believing? That's the beginning that makes all things possible. Let me take a break. Would all of you pray and bow your heads with me right now? Lord, your word does not return void. It accomplishes the purpose for which you intend. And that's the greatest news ever proclaimed on planet Earth. We don't have to earn your favor because we never can. We certainly will never deserve your favor. Not a one of us. It's a free gift for you to offer us eternal life and you do it through Christ, your son. So Lord, for those of us who already are secure in that truth, thank you. Help us to grow in our faith in the simplicity that your grace flows free over me, just like we say. But tonight there may be some in this crowd who are wrestling with that thought and are ready to, to they've heard it's a free gift. Why would they reject a free gift like eternity? And tonight they're ready. They're ready to say, okay, I get it. Even if it's selfish tonight, I believe it. I, I want this gift. I, and it, Lord, I ask you to come into my life. Would you say this prayer? Would you say, Lord, I believe it tonight and I need it 
tonight because I can't save myself and I don't want to live under the burden of thinking there's a scales because sadly I'm afraid I might not make it. But tonight I can make it through faith alone. It's what I'm hearing. So I ask you to come into my heart right now just like the Bible promises and live with me. Seal me for the, for the day of redemption when you'll say, see, there wasn't any scales. It's through faith alone in Christ alone that you get it all. And Lord, if you'll give me that gift, I'll, I'll, I'll pay attention. I'll listen for you. I'll, I'll try to learn about you. I'll try to follow you. But, but that's all nothing compared to the free gift you're offering me tonight. So would you come into my life in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Now, keep your eyes closed. This is between you and God, but if you said that prayer for the first time or maybe for the first time to really seal the deal, I hope you'd raise your eyes and look at me. And if I can't see you, which I can't see very well, you'd just raise your hand so I could celebrate. I see you, I see you, a bunch over there. I see you up in the balcony. I see you back there in the back row. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Any over here in the middle on this side? All right, there's, there's several, six, seven, eight, ten. I don't know, I can't count, but, but would everybody give them a hand? Because that's a bigger celebration. That's a bigger celebration than what Anna did because Anna already was saved. She was just celebrating the salvation. These, right now, these people received the Holy Spirit, entered into the eternal family, and will be with us forever in the kingdom of God. Now that's worth celebrating. Yeah. Hallelujah. So now hopefully none of, you received, none of you rejected that gift. If you're still struggling and you didn't raise your hand or you still think it's not true, Ask God if it's true and then go home and you can pray that prayer by yourself anytime, anywhere, and God is faithful. He hears you and he'll answer your prayer. It doesn't have to be in a public place like this. Just do it and believe it. You gotta believe it. But now hopefully all of us are in Christ and he's in all of us and all things are possible. That's the starting step, the possibilities of faith. Yet as we've seen, the battle still rages over those old trains of thought, so now we must take the next step of faith that's required of any of us that makes this faith purposeful. First possible, now purposeful. What's the second step of faith? That we through faith believe the Bible is trustworthy. Jesus is trustworthy and the Bible is trustworthy. It's his word, it's his revealed truth. You wanna know God, you gotta know scripture. Why? Second Timothy tells us. Listen to what he says. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be fully equipped, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Second Timothy, note the chapter and verse. Three, 16. Does that ring a bell? Okay. The first step, John three sixteen the power to make it possible unto salvation that you would be saved. I don't think there's any coincidences that here in the last book Paul ever wrote to his child in, in the faith, Timothy, God had him write the second most important step of faith we must take in the same chapter and verse. John 3.16, 2 Timothy 3.16. All things are possible through faith in Christ unto salvation through all who will believe and all things become purposeful 
only when we start quit fighting scripture. We live in a world that's wrestling to tell us the Bible's a lie, that tells that you can pick and choose the parts you want to follow and you'll be blessed. You'll never have purpose because you'll always be wrestling with God because it's perfect and flawless and it, it teaches you and rebukes you and trains you for righteousness. So this is the second step of faith. And friends, I talk to many people as a pastor who are simply trusting in themselves as to what truth is. Look around you. Our, our senior pastor says, many of you trust Oprah. You know, what Oprah says is, is what you believe. If she says it, that's, that's well, it's obviously true. But, but Oprah's just a person. She's flawed just like you and me. The Bible's flawless. It's perfect in, in giving you meaning and purpose to your life. Charles Spurgeon said, a Bible that's falling apart most often belongs to a person whose life isn't. Yet one after another, people walk into my life trusting in themselves, literally, I met with one or two this week, ready to argue points with me, it's not against me, they're arguing with God that these simple yet life-defining truths aren't their truths. It's, I don't agree. The culture, the politicians, the world says the Bible isn't true. So if you're ever, you can be saved because it's through faith alone that you receive eternal salvation, but you're never gonna find true purpose in your life if you spend all your time arguing with God because you don't like his word. So you gotta surrender your faith to believe the Bible is true as a second step in this part of our step process of faith. And finally, we make the full circle back to the step with which we began through faith. We make a decision to trust by faith that God is trust, so trustworthy we can surrender everything to him. That's the third step. The step that makes all things powerful. Faith makes salvation possible. Trust in the Bible gives, makes all things purposeful. Surrender to God in the third step makes all things powerful because it's his power at work in your life. So in this step, we surrender to his lordship. Jesus is Lord. And that's a battle. This isn't a one-time process. <laughs> not for any of us. Certainly not for me. This is the third step. And, and you want God's strength and power? This is where it's going to be found. If you're not ready to surrender him, he's not, he can't empower you because you're still operating on your power. Because just like any of us, we struggle, but God doesn't. We're untrustworthy. God is trustworthy. And the eyes of God are ranging the whole earth to strengthen those, strengthen with his power, his force, those whose hearts are fully committed to him. That's surrender. So as I close, let me just review. We're all stinking thinkers. I hope we've got that much doubt. The old patterns developed by the trains of thought that are rutted into our lives control us until and unless we work our program. This spiritual program of action offers us transformation of the ways that we think so that our actions are driven by the truth rather than the lies. Consider one last time the progression. It all becomes possible only after salvation by faith alone in Christ alone. Then it becomes purposeful as we take faith in God at his word and quit wrestling with the Bible. And then it becomes powerful 
able to demolish every stronghold and pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God that holds us captive as we capture those thoughts that once held us captive, captive and make them obedient to Christ through a surrender of our wills to his in lordship. So let's close with the, the third step prayer. You may not know this prayer, but this is the third step prayer of the program. I hope you'll read it with me out loud. It's powerful to hear 30 people in a room pray the Lord's Prayer at the end of a meeting. But when there's 300 praying a prayer, it's powerful. So read this with me. God, I offer myself to you to build with me and to do with me as you will. Relieve me of the bondage to self that I may better do your will. Take away my difficulties that my victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of your power, your love, and your way of life. Amen. Lord, thank you. Let's stand and say the serenity prayer. Another great prayer of the program. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. First, yeah, give him praise.